Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in, these deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome into another episode of They Got Analysis. Your host, Mark Schindler. As always, before we get started today, be sure to rate and review the pod wherever you listen. I always want to get your feedback. Um, I'm really excited to be joined by somebody whose work I've enjoyed reading this season, uh, and that's Cora Hall. Uh, Cora, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. I can't complain. I- I'm excited that we could make this happen quickly because obviously, you know, you, you cover uh, Tennessee women's basketball. Rakia Jackson, now she's coming back this next year. Thought it would be fun to A, talk about that, and B, just talk about their season in general before you know, diving into some of your career stuff as well. Um I guess first question I want to ask you before we get started, uh, what was your reaction as soon as the bracket came out with what the seeding was going to be for Tennessee and the bracket that they're in? I honestly was so on the fence going into that selection show because I was like, I could literally see them doing it either way. And it's going to depend on the kind of I don't know. I don't know if I would say statement that the committee wanted to make, but I think they very clearly did with how they seeded uh, LSU versus Tennessee. Like one got punished for a really weak non-conference schedule. Tennessee got rewarded for it. So I understood, like, I was like, I could really see either way. Cause after they beat LSU in the SEC tournament, um, a lot of people I knew, like other journalists and like myself were like, okay, yeah, they'll probably host now. Cause that was kind of like the final mm-hmm. piece where it's like, um like obviously you can check they don't have bad losses none but there's 11 and they had all these chances against like net top 25 teams and haven't been able to win one so that's kind of like the last piece of the puzzle for them to make a case for Tennessee to host so once they won at LSU I felt like they had a really good shot at it um but I honestly didn't know because when um when Villanova came up as a four seed I was like okay uh, and then the five seed wasn't them, then I was like, okay, they're probably hosting. Um, so I think they got a really good draw, to be honest. <laughs> it helps when they've like played every single number one seed and they obviously were not going to be in South Carolina's bracket. Um, 
but I think they probably got the best draw that they could have. Um, even though I don't think, I think honestly them being in any bracket except for South Carolina's was probably good for them. Yeah. I thought it was good for them to avoid Iowa too, just because I was a team that like that game would probably turn into a foot race. And I don't like, you know, Caitlin Clark being Caitlin Clark and how she's playing right now. I'm like, yeah, that one could end their run. Um, just because without Tamari Key, their defense is so different and it's had to evolve and grow a lot this season. Um, so I thought, you know, their one seed being, which I was kind of surprised. I mean, like I wasn't surprised Virginia Tech got a one seed because people have been talking about it, but mm-hmm. I was also surprised a little bit. Um, so that being their one seed was really good for them because they played Virginia Tech and only lost by three. And they did not have Rakia Jackson. They did not have Jillian Hollingshed. They did not have Jasmine Franklin. So they did have Tamari Key, who, you know, has shut down Elizabeth Kitley two years in a row, but they didn't have all that offense that they have now. If you think about the way Rakia and Jillian um, contribute offensively. So that's a great rematch for them, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm. I mean, part of what's so exciting about the way that the seeding worked out, and I feel like they, I mean, the it, it definitely seemed like uh, the committee tried to feed into this throughout. Uh, the bracket was like setting up potential rematches, uh, getting a little bit spicy, like obviously a chance to play UConn if they make it to the Elite Eight. Um, so that's interesting. Like there's a lot of, I mean, like they could play Ohio State again if they make it to the Elite Eight. Like there's a lot of really fun stuff to look at with this. I think ultimately like their path to the Sweet 16 is fine. Like mm-hmm. I personally, and I'm sure people don't agree, but like I'm not a, I I think Iowa State is fine, but comp- like I'm biased because I went to Toledo, but like this Toledo team is actually really freaking good. And I think out of all the five twelves, like, I don't know what your feeling is, but I think this year is going to be like our craziest upset year because of how some of the seeding worked out. Like even looking at, I don't think that they're going to upset Stanford, but like looking at the eight, nine matchup, like Ole Miss is so good. Gonzaga, Gonzaga getting a nine seed was ridiculous to me. Like you've seen Gonzaga play, they beat Tennessee this year. Like that team had such a good non-conference schedule. Obviously, yes, they play in a smaller conference in the WCC, but really freaking good this year. Like, I don't know. I feel like there's just so much shit that can happen that I'm excited to see happen. Um, but yeah, we have we have a ways to go to get there. Yeah, I definitely I when I fell in my bracket, like I feel because I feel like growing up, like the 5-12 matchup on the men's side was always like that. You pick the 12s because that was yeah. like such like a trap game. And I feel like the women's side is kind of like that this season, just based on the fives and twelves. Cause like Florida Gulf Coast always gets underseated. That team is really, really good this year. Um, that's a team that like I think if they had had a stronger non-conference, would have been ranked. Um, but for me, like as a voter, like I was just like, I don't I feel like I wanted them to be a good team in non-conference because they obviously their conference schedule is weaker, but that team's really good. And I have them winning. I think Portland and um, Oklahoma is a really interesting matchup just with how Oklahoma has been playing and um, Drake and Louisville. Like I'm picking Drake there, you know, like there's so many good like matchups that are like, that's a great upset um, waiting to happen. So I think, yes, I agree with you with Iowa state. I was not impressed with them after they lost um, Suarez because that's what I, when they added her, I was like, okay. Yeah. It was different. Now I feel the same way about Iowa state this year as I did last year. 
but when they had the the six foot six center, I was like, okay, that's what they needed. And like, I like that, like the, where they could go this year when they lost her, I was like, okay, well now we're back to exactly where you were last year. And I, yeah, I just wasn't impressed. Like when you lose to Kansas and I think the score is like 98 to 96 or something ridiculous. I'm like, you give up over 90 points to Kansas. And that is like a glaring issue to me. I know they played really well in the big 12 tournament, but I think as long as they, as Tennessee in a, in a second round matchup, hypothetically with Iowa state, you just have to make sure you're containing Ashley Jones. Like don't let her start to get hot and hit all those threes and like, they should be fine. Yeah. And I think a big portion of that too, is like, I mean, it's Rakia. And I think that's, what's been so fun to watch this year. Like, um, like, like we talked about a little bit before we even got on here, like obviously Rakia had like, didn't play it the whole time at the beginning of the year was kind of benched. Um, and now she's been like, I mean, not even arguably, she's been the best player on the team. Like, she's been so freaking good on both ends of the ball. Um, I just want to ask you about, like, what it was kind of like witnessing this team revert their season a little bit. Because you had, you know, what non-conference ended up shaping up to me. And I still think, like, people got, like, a little bit too in over it. Like, obviously losing Tamari, uh, dealing with, again, like, having Rakia bench and kind of figuring out that situation. Like, they played one of the toughest non-conference schedules in the country. Uh and they were still very competitive. It's not like I think it's one of the things where you can look at like other than the UCLA game, like everything was close for the most part. Like there was real reason to feel like kind of optimistic about it, I thought. Um, and then obviously, like, I mean, they went on that massive run at the beginning of SEC play and still were very good on in some of the non-con games they had throughout there, too. But like, yeah, what was that like kind of witnessing that play out and how things changed throughout the year? Um, it was definitely a roller coaster. And it was um, some games that were hard to watch a little bit. Yeah. Uh, thinking of the first game of the season when I drove to Ohio State. And um, that was a game. That game, that game was <laughs> that not close. That was a game. <laughs> yeah, 75-87 well, yeah. is not nearly as close. As, I mean, is is way closer than it actually was. Yeah, no, it the it felt like a 30-point loss the way the game went in the second yeah. half. Because I even at halftime, I was like, there's no way they should be in the lead right now. Because Ohio State was basically just missing shots. Like Taylor Mike's Taylor Mikesell was very cold in the first half. And then she got very hot in the second half. And I'm like, okay, yeah, this is over because they, for some reason, you can't break a press. Um, which is like, you know, it, it was a it was a chemistry thing. It was, you know, multiple players hadn't played a game since uh early February or January. Like I'm thinking, um, Rakia Jackson, Jasmine Powell went in the portal in the end of January. They hadn't played a game since then. Jordan Horson got hurt in February, hadn't played a game since early February. So you got all these players who are like supposed to carry the team, be starters, you know, have chemistry. And none of them have played a game for like 10 months. None of them have played together. So it was kind of like the perfect storm of like, this is going to be just a terrible first game yeah. against a team that has a great press. Um, so from there, it was just like me kind of sitting there watching games. And I just feel like, where like I think I think a lot of people felt the same it's like where where is this great team that like we were told like this was gonna be and and again like I mean Kelly to her credit like did say multiple times preseason like we might not be who we need to be in November or December like she basically was like don't expect us to come on the court and like wipe the floor because I mean she watched them all summer I mean she knew like in practices what they looked like but it's easy to like look good on offense when you're not in a real game and so it just took a long time for that to all come together and and multiple things happened along the way like they lost Tamari 
Rokia was out for a few games. Uh, March Suarez leaves, like, is back in Spain right now. She hasn't, she stopped playing um, end of non-conference play. So she's back back home in Spain. She stepped away for personal reasons. Um, So a lot of things happened along the way. And I really felt like, um, because they were talking about SEC play, how it's a new season. And that's really kind of what it felt like. Because, I I mean, they played really well at Stanford. Like, you know, they they could have won that game had they played a better fourth quarter. And that was on the road. So that was like a really big game for them. Um, But definitely the beginning of conference play felt like a new season. Things were clicking. Rakia was performing really, really well. Um, And then they hit those midseason losses. And and those just kind of felt like they weren't really – ready for that you know like that UConn game like there's multiple players who had never played in a UConn game and that's like different the Tennessee I don't care what anybody says about the rivalry it's different this and that it's still like both those teams really really want to win that game like there's that game's different and there was like 14,600 people in Thompson Bowling it was like their biggest crowd since 2016 like that game was like massive and not everyone was ready for that. So I think once they had that loss on the road to Mississippi State, they had that week break, they had their bye Thursday, um, they got to rest, they got to recoup. And ever since then, like, it's looked like the team you saw um, in the tournament, because, you know, not everyone was watching those. Like, I, th- I think after those three losses, everyone kind of was like, yeah, okay. Like, you know, writing off this Tennessee team, they haven't figured out at this point, they're not going to. Um, and, but what you saw at the SEC tournament is what I feel like I've been watching since, um, since after that loss to Mississippi State. Yeah, no, exactly. I think, I mean, you obviously watched them close to me. I feel like I've caught a lot of their games, but it's uh, seeing that has been really fun. And I think this team, not that it, I think they're like a final four contender, but I do think they're going to really make some noise in the tournament. Like, um, not to say that they were lucky to get a four seed feels wrong, but I feel like it was, I was a little bit surprised that they got a four seed or like, especially too, with how um, like, I thought they dropped out of the AP pool so many times this year when they shouldn't have, like, again, I get like people wait, uh, wait schedule and stuff, but like wait the, the good games even more. Like, I don't know. There's, there's a lot to go into it, but um, you know, we 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 haven't even hit the like real elephant in the room. Talking about Rakia coming back next year, I think that really surprised a lot of people. Um, a, I'm just really happy for her that because just in her message, she talked about like just how she feels really supported and she wants to be back for another year. I think that's really cool. Um, in terms of what this means for next year's outlook, like I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but like that is really big in terms of her coming back next year. What was your kind of initial reaction to that and? And, uh, and how you feel about, you know, kind of impending future of the team. Yeah. I mean, that's something that I had been kind of just like, hold, like waiting to hear about because, you know, Kelly had been saying earlier, um, like at senior day, like everyone's going to walk, but no one's making decisions right now about coming back or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had written a story in the fall about why Tennessee doesn't have a 2023 recruiting, recruiting class, which is not great. Um, that wasn't, you know, I'm sure they would love to have one or two coming in, but they don't have any 2023 signed right now. Um, and in that story, I talked about how, um, Jordan Horston, uh, Rikia Jackson, Tamari Key, them having COVID years, you know, there was still a possibility that they could come back. Um, 
And so, you know, now Tamari and Rakia have announced that they're coming back. And that's like kind of saves next season in a way, because again, you have no freshmen coming in. Um, if all the seniors leave, that's seven people gone. And then you have uh, Tess Darby in the, in the rising senior class. And then you have uh, six juniors who two of them play significant minutes. So it was going to be um, not a great situation yeah. if they didn't come back, um, which is why, like, it, you know, it's not very common just not to have a recruiting class and like still be like in March and not have anyone signed or any you know but I guess with the portal you know there's because that was going to be the other option you know it's like hitting the portal portal really hard kind of doing this all over again and hoping it works better um but having Tamari come back having Rakia come back like that's like some steadiness for them that's like a baseline to return to and like kind of like a I don't know like you're not going to be completely rebuilding next year yeah, definitely. And especially with some of the people who have announced they're going to the board already. I'm really interested to see what that looks like for everybody, honestly, not just the balls. Like, I think there are like, I don't know, part of what's really fun about this. I do a lot of grassroots stuff on the side. So like I get very annoyed with coaches who don't recruit because it is, believe it or not. And this is not me trying to throw shade at like any certain coach. Cause I don't know Kelly. I don't know her recruiting style, but like there are coaches who just do not recruit and it is very annoying. It's like, become it's starting to become a thing with like, People are just like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to teach some kid how to play basketball. So I'm just going to get somebody in here who already knows how to do it. Like seeing what the continual fallout from that is going to be moving forward is so interesting to me, but um, yeah, there's a lot to be excited about with that. Um, I, I guess last thing I want to ask you on Tennessee before we get a little bit more into your career, um, when you're looking and if, if you had to make like a prediction right now, kind of like gun to your head, what which I actually I hate using that analogy because I don't really <laughs> want to put a gun to somebody's head. Uh, what what is like ideal way that this plays out for Tennessee in the tournament? But also being realistic. Right. Well, I guess I, not ideal. What what is the realistic uh, path in your mind here? Realistically, I do think that like Iowa State will win. Um, so sorry, Mark. Um, oh, wow. OK. <laughs> I do think I would say just because of the way that like if they had bowed out you know to Oklahoma or something I would have been less convinced but them winning against Oklahoma and Texas was really big for them yeah um, so I do think like just because they they have the pieces to be successful I just don't think it's enough I don't think they have the depth I do think they'll come out of that first round um I think Tennessee will beat them if we're being honest, just because there's so few teams who can stop the the combo of Rakia Jackson and Jordan Horston when they're playing well on the same page, which is what we've seen recently. Like literally since uh, the beginning of February, like the last eight games, the only team they've lost to is South Carolina twice. And LSU was the only other team to slow them down. Like they've scored over 80 points in every single game, except for South Carolina and LSU. Um. And I, and if, you know, Iowa State's going to give up over 90 points to Kansas, I don't really think <laughs> I, I like Tennessee's chances of winning that game offensively. Um, I am kind of torn about Virginia Tech because I know they're obviously playing really well right now. Um, but I, I think they're the weakest one seed. I think if, I think if they don't meet Tennessee and the sweet 16, I mean, whoever wins that USC South Dakota state game, that's going to be a tough matchup. Like I don't like for anybody. Um, so, I mean, 
I'm not going to predict that Virginia Tech is going to lose in the second round, but I wouldn't be shocked. But I do think that Virginia Tech will pull it out. And I honestly think that Tennessee would be very happy to have a rematch with them, with Rakia Jackson and Jillian Hollingshed. Um, so I honestly, and like, this is literally, and I always feel like, because I've been really, really tough on them this year. This year. Mm-hmm. Um, like it took a while for me to like start voting for them in the AP poll again, because I'm very conscious of like not being a homer and like, yeah. not like, waiting too much what I'm watching in front of me compared to like watching other games and like paying attention, making sure I'm, you know, being cognizant of everyone else. But just like based on what I've been watching, it feels like this is like the team that everyone was like, Hey, final four potential talent, like that, that they're so much closer to being that team, like in the last month. And so I honestly think if they play Virginia tech and sweet 16, they'll win. Um, and that could set up a rematch with UConn or Ohio State, and that's going to be, like, a ridiculously hard game. So I honestly don't know what will happen in the Elite Eight, but I do think that they could make it there. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think I'm probably a little bit more bullish on Virginia Tech uh, just with how they've been playing. Um, I do, like, my biggest thing that always comes back with Tennessee is I'm just worried about the guard play. It always comes back to it for me. Like, I think uh, I'm probably more of a believer in them being being like I would I would pick them over Iowa State for sure. Um, like I think that is definitely going to be a good game. But and being realistic too, I I I will not do it on my bracket, but I I would pick Iowa State to beat Toledo. Um, I am biased though, but um, yeah, like I I agree. I think I'm in the same boat. And also too, like you mentioned, like South Carolina. I mean, not South Carolina. Jesus, uh, Southern Cal and South Dakota State as an eight nine is like awful in this like south dakota state really damn good this year gave south carolina a much better game than i think the record ended up showing um and i was shocked that usc ended up in eight seed i'm imagining it's because they bowed out in the first round of the pac-12 tournament but like i thought they probably should have been a six or seven comfortably in, yeah in, like I, this year especially I, with how good their defense is like their their offense has struggles for sure but like having to play that defense in the second round is like good god yeah. And I thought like, you know, like for how much people were saying like, oh, the Pac-12 is like the best conference this year or like the Pac-12 in the rankings, like Colorado's a six, which was shocking to me. I thought Colorado was a solid five, if not like had a, a somewhat of a tiny case to be a four. Mm-hmm. But like and then USC, like severely underseated to me. So it's just like interesting, like how the committee kind of went on some of these but yeah that USC South Dakota because South Dakota State literally won the WNIT last year like they have like great postseason experience um and I think everybody it's funny like everybody against South Carolina is like they probably played better than the score showed except for maybe Arkansas that one time when they had like 79 rebounds against them. That was the ugliest <laughs> game I've watched this entire year. That was, oh yeah. God, that was so and gross. I felt bad for them because they had yeah. like a really, that was like a really tough lead up to them because they had literally almost just beat LSU on the road. And then they got to go on the road, South Carolina. And I was like, that's not a recipe for like a great showing. Um, but yeah, no, that's a, Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. 
spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. I, if I was Virginia Tech, I would be um, sweating a little bit. And like Chattanooga is not just going to be like a cakewalk for them. Like that's a solid mid-major. Um, so we'll see. I don't, I'm not going to lose to Chattanooga, but like, it's not going to be one where you can like put your reserves in for the second half. Yeah, so. no, most definitely. I, I'm very, this, I'm just, I'm ready for it to be here. It's, uh, we got first four yesterday and today now, well, I guess men started yesterday, women start today. It's like, I, it's going to be April in like 10 minutes. It feels like, so we're, we're getting there. Uh, yeah. I'm so excited for Illinois and Mississippi State tonight. That was the other team, like oh, Illinois yes. having to play in was really oh, I hated team. that. They're like, so much better than that. Yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, they're my pick. I have them. I'm gonna have them upset Creighton. Like I was annoyed that Creighton got, and this is respect to Creighton, respect to all the people at Creighton. I did not understand Creighton as a six seed. I no, was like blasted by that. Um, but you know, is what it is. Um, um so yeah, yeah, I'm taking Illinois to go to the Sweet 16. But I'm picking either Mississippi State or whoever wins that game, honestly, I'm picking to upset Creighton. Because like yeah. Mississippi State, like their defense is really, really good. Like, and if they're playing well, like they can win that game. It just yeah. is a matter of like how are you gonna play at that game? Cause I mean, they took they only lost to South Carolina by seven when like at home and so i'm like that's like one of the closest results against south carolina like all year yeah so no definitely and travels yeah um and i mean like creighton's offense is really good but i don't know i just wonder if like the committee fell a little bit in love with who they were last year instead of being like hey this team has really struggled against top teams this year even though they've been good like they've really beat up on the lower level teams in the in the big east but the other teams like they didn't play well against arkansas they really struggled with stanford like they got blown out by UConn multiple times. I'm just kind of like, uh, I don't know. We'll see. But um, yeah. again, hopeful, hopeful for them. But you know, I, I have my, I have my agendas. Uh, so yeah, getting into your career, obviously, uh, you work at Knoxville News, correct? Yeah. Well, the the paper is called the Knoxville News Sentinel, and then like mm-hmm. our website's called Knox News. So like, yeah, basically. Cool. Uh, how long have you been there for? I started this job in September of 2021. Um, I had graduated college May of 2021 and been at the Kansas City Star that summer for an internship. And then I came here. Nice. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's that's fun because I graduated May of 2021 as well, um, which feels like that's so long ago. Because even like just hearing somebody that's been in a journalism job since 2020, I'm like, hell yeah, you go. Like that's that's an, 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 an eternal amount of time in the journalism world. Um when so like in terms of what, like how long you've been covering Tennessee what is it a, I mean what has it been like covering Kelly Harper what's your impression of her and just kind of how the program runs in general yeah I mean it's been a great like first professional beat um I've really enjoyed it I've really liked the beat itself um Knoxville is a cool city um Kelly is one of 
like genuinely one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. I remember the first road trip I went on was to Virginia Tech last year, actually, um, beginning in December. It was only like a three-hour drive. <laughs> I drove to Blacksburg the day before, went to the game, um, and we were still doing Zoom press conferences, but they would like, um, you know, run me a player after the game or something to make the trip worthwhile. Um, yeah. But we, So we were on a Zoom, and Kelly didn't realize that I was like in the building. And so when I went down to the court after the game, I think I talked to Tamari. She had a great game. Um, Kelly came out after and like came over. She was like, oh my gosh, like, thank you for coming. And like gave me a hug and was like, oh, so cool. nice. And I was like, yeah, very much mom energy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Really, really, really nice person. Um, has been really great to cover. Um, it's been really fun to like build relationships on this beat because there's just, there's a lot of good people. Um, the players are great. They've been really fun to cover. Um, I've met a lot of parents, um, but yeah, Kelly, I think, I think my impression of Kelly is that I, I feel like over the years I've been here, she's been, um, growing into the job is kind of like a weird term, but like, I want to say that just because it's such a big job, right? It's like the biggest coaching job she's had ever. It's one of the biggest coaching jobs you can have ever in women's basketball at the yeah. college level. So I think she has been like definitely growing, like, I think she's grown as coach even since I got here. Um, and I, it's been fun to kind of watch the progression of this team. Cause when I got here, it was still kind of like still trying to come out of like those years when the, you know, things really went sour towards the end of, you know, Holly's tenure. Um, they were still trying to come out of that. They had a solid season after COVID. Um, but last season, like really felt like there was this like, re-energizing of the the program and the fan base just because like they got off to an 18 and one start and like Jordan Horston was like coming into herself and like having an amazing year um and so was Tamari for that matter so there was a lot of like excitement around it you could kind of feel it building through the whole season and then obviously with this transfer class and the expectations of this season I think a lot of fans got ahead of themselves and I think a lot of I think a lot of media got ahead of themselves for that matter as well, like myself included. Um, just because when you see it, see it on paper, it's so like tantalizing. You're like, oh my gosh, like that is like a roster I would take in a heartbeat, you know? Yeah. Um, but obviously things on like on the court and in real life um, take time. It's a lot different. There, There's chemistry that has to be built and there's things that have to happen for that to, you know, um, progress. So it's been like, it's been really fun. Um, this year has definitely been a lot more up and down. Um, but I will say I've enjoyed covering Kelly as a coach um, and just like getting to know her um, and, and building that relationship. That's cool. I uh, yeah, that's one of the things that I always think about. Like I love doing stuff nationally because like not from like an asinine standpoint, but like I like being able to look at everything. Like I I kind of struggle to be like, I don't know. I'm somebody who I feel like I need to move every three months because I don't like staying in one place. Um, but it's also like stuff like that that makes me think, yeah, maybe I should take a beat job sometime because like, I don't know, like, I mean, not that I don't, don't get to create relationships with people, but it's just like exactly what you're saying. Like when you're there every day, like it's just a, it's a different animal. Like that's cool. I like hearing that. And especially too, like hearing when it's good stuff because there are not always good stuff. So that's awesome. Um, were you always a basketball person or did that just kind of become your thing once you, once you got here? Um, I would say I always have been. I only played like one year in eighth grade and I was terrible. And um, but I always watched it because 
Uh, my dad and my mom were like huge basketball fans. My older brother played. So I like was always at his games and like my dad coached him when we were young. So like I was always around that. And like my younger brother also loves basketball. So like we literally always watched basketball growing up. Um, and I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was always like deeply involved in like the basketball talk, but like I was certainly around it with my dad and my brothers. Um, so I feel like I've always like really loved basketball. Um, but ever since I took this job, I've come to understand it like in a much deeper level. And I've really pushed myself to like get better at analysis and like things like that. Because when I, cause I, I was not like great at that when I started yeah. the job because I've never had to, you know, no one's ever like super involved me in those in those conversations so I never like learned how people talked about it analytically um but like I played soccer growing up so like that was my like first love and like I wouldn't mind like covering women's soccer one day but like I have really grown to love women's basketball like a lot like I like if I could do that like for the next 15 years I would be happy um so I've really I always loved it but I would say I definitely love it even more um now that i've started working here no i love hearing that um because i same like i mean i obviously came up like i still cover the nba and i cover any basketball that exists but like i same like if i could work just strictly in women's basketball i would do it I, in a heartbeat it's been awesome uh just getting into it so in terms of like when you first take the job um what is that like for you trying to figure out like how you're going to kind of uh sink into it like how like like you mentioned like okay what is that process like of all right well now I need to figure out how I go about talking about covering this how I go about learning all this stuff like when you like yeah so like what is that like because I've never had to really do that before yeah and what's super interesting with that is um so for like 30 years I don't know if that's it's around that long that time span Dan Dan Flezer was the original like Lady Vols beat writer yeah um, was here during you know Pat Summit's days all the championships everything like that um and he's actually still around which is super nice he's been a great help like I bother him we go out to lunch I'll text him I'll be like hey like question about this or like if I have anything like that so he's been a great help um but after he like um kind of stepped away from the beat uh I think for two years they didn't fill it because um, I think there just wasn't enough like interest at the time and they decided not to hire somebody um, because that was like the last of like the Holly years. Um, and then last summer they decided to bring the beat back basically. So when I took the job, like I was the first, that was like the first season, like they had really had like a dedicated beat writer to it again. Mm-hmm. So I had like a lot of freedom to kind of, revamp it and that's what I was told you know like hey um we want you because because basically they offered me a different job first and in the first conversation with an editor I like basically talked his ear off about how much like I love women's sports and like I want to cover women's sports and like I didn't even know that this was like a job they're looking for and he called me back the next day and he was like hey we actually want to offer you this job and I was like oh I would move to Knoxville for that job (laughs) so that was nice in that like they knew like from the jump like this is what I want to do I'm very passionate about it so like we just want to let you like kind of run with it like how like obviously I had guidance on how they do other beats and like we do these kinds of stories this isn't that but 
I got a lot of freedom to kind of just operate within those guidelines and like build relationships and decide what I thought were good stories. And like, I rarely have anything assigned to me. Like I just get to go. And I love that because I'm a very independent person and I feel like I have my own kind of perspective on just kind of how to tackle certain things and how to tackle stories and how to find stories. Um, So it's been really, really fun to just, hey, here's like baseline kind of guidelines, what we need, you know, types of stories and this and things like that. But other than that, like take it and run with it. And so it's just been really fun um, from that side of it that I've just had a lot of freedom with it. Definitely. No, again, like I, not sounding like a broken record, but I love hearing that because it's not like that everywhere. So that's awesome. Um, you know, in terms of looking at that too, uh, like part of what's so fun about basketball um, is how individualistic it can be. Like, I think even with like, yeah, even if there's 10 players on court, like nobody's going to look exactly the same in what they do. Like, obviously there's that on the on court perspective, but I think there's so much in terms of off court too, that you can get into about like how different everybody is um, and what makes people unique. And um, part of what I've enjoyed about, you know, kind of getting to know you through Twitter is how you cover things, like just finding cool stories and, and interesting angles to look at. So what are you, I mean, when you're looking for stories or when you're kind of like contemplating or trying to find something to write about, how are, how are you going about that? Is that just kind of, does it just kind of come to you or like, I'm always interested to hear how things are different for, for people in that regard. Yeah, I feel like, um, I don't know. I feel like things just kind of come to me. And I think yeah. that comes with just knowing people, um, knowing the storylines of your team, um, understanding, obviously, like what players will be good to dig into their their backstory. You know, why are they like this? You know, Um but I kind of just like hear about things or like just through knowing people like, I don't know, like I, I, people ask me this and I'm just like, I don't know. Like it kind of just like, it kind of just happens. Cause like when you're on a beat, like you're obviously like you see before, like you're there every day, you see these people all the time. Um, there's always something, you know, there's all, and, and I think with every player, there's a great story. That's kind of how I look at it. It's like, Every single person here, like, obviously has an incredibly interesting, complex story before they got here. So, and I love, I love when you have a player that there's something they do really, really well, or there's something about them that's just like very unique to them and their game. And you can just focus in on that and just like dive into why are you like that? I love stories like that. Um, I haven't, not to say I have done a ton like that, but I think like that's one of the things about sports that's awesome is that kind of makes this stuff easy in a way is that like, if you just look for like the most interesting thing about this person or about their game, and then just kind of like focus in on that and then just figure out what got them there, like there's a story, you know? So I, you know, I think this year I've met a lot more people and like just have a lot of good connections where like I do hear about things sometimes um, that are like the story I just did, um, about Michelle Marciniak and like resettling the the Afghan women um, in Knoxville. Like I met them at um, like an event and like we connected, we had conversations and they told me about it. So sometimes it's just like being there and talking to people and you just will hear things, but yeah, that's kind of the best answer I can give. I, it's, I wish I'd give a better one because I feel like I get asked this sometimes and I'm just like, 
I, yeah. I know it just happens. <laughs> yeah, no, same. It's funny because I feel like I get asked it a lot too. So I've decided to to adopt and be like, all right, well, I'll ask people and be annoying to you. But like, yeah, I, I think part of it's just like when you're on the job all the time, like it's all you think about. Like, I don't know. Like, I just know for me, like, brother, I don't know. I'm up at 1030 at night looking at basketball reference because I, I want to. And that's what I'm thinking about. Like, I, I want to know how well did Lexi Donarski guard this person who might be like Kanisha Lockett? Like, I don't know. Like, that's, that's just like, that's the stuff. And like, I, I mean, by virtue of uh, like, I mean, i I make sure that I always like follow players to like keep up with like, what's up? Well, you know, how do people interact? What are, what are they saying? Like, cause you, I don't know. You just always want to see like how people are. And like, I always, I don't know. I just get like really interested by people. I was really weird as a kid. I used to always just like go on Wikipedia if I had free time and just like search people up. Cause I didn't know anything about, about people. And I wanted to know more about people and like, I would read, I was that weird kid who like middle school, I was reading biographies. Like I would read biographies. I don't know. Don't ask me why. Like it just, I gravitated towards them for some reason. And like, I don't know. There's so like, like exactly what you're saying. There's so much interesting stuff to learn. I feel like it's always the people that I don't know anything about that I want to learn the most about. Like I did a, I did a story on Alyssa Thomas last year, like saying that you were talking about with like, you know, kind of trying to figure out why people operate or how they are. And like, I just remember when I first took the beat in like covering the WNBA at large for the, for the WNBA, uh, like I'd known who Alyssa was as a player. Cause I mean, she's been really damn good since Maryland. Um, but I was like, I literally could tell you maybe one thing about her off the court and like, you know, getting to like, find out, like talk to her family and, uh, you know, talk to all of her teammates and her coaches and like she played with at Maryland and like, trying to understand like who she really is like that kind of stuff is what is moving you know like at least to me like I love doing that shit it's funny too because I absolutely like never wanted to do anything like that I never thought I was going to be a futures person I always thought I was just going to do like straight up analysis and here we are now that's what I do mostly so it's uh it's you know it's always funny the way shit works out yeah well and the other the other point I will say about um that is like some of my favorite features that I've written are just simply the backstory of something that's happened. You know, yeah. like uh, the story I did preseason about Jordan Horson, like coming back from that elbow injury. Like that was one of my favorite stories I ever did. Cause she was so in this, she was very open and she just, I could give people a picture into what her recovery looked like. And I thought that was like so fun. Cause there was so much good stuff there. Um, and I think it really showed, you know, like who she was as a player and who she was as a person. Um, and that comes from building relationships, you know, because if I, that was the second interview we had together, she probably would not have told me a lot of things yeah. she told me or felt comfortable with me being the one to tell that story. Um, or like when Tamari went out, it was actually really like just fortunate. And I don't know if anything about it was intentional, not Tamari going out. I'm When they announced that she went out, I had an interview scheduled with Kelly for an hour later. So like that had been set up earlier in the week. They're like, you're gonna call Kelly at 11 on Thursday, 10 a.m. Thursday, they released that Tamari's out for the season with blood clots. And I was like, oh my gosh. Cause we all like, it was very eerie when yeah. she wasn't there. And so we all knew something was going on and we knew it was probably serious. Um, but when that happened, I was like, like, you know, like, holy shit, you know? And then I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, I'm getting on the phone with Kelly in like an hour. Like I need to like completely re-prepare myself of like what we're going to talk about. And so I got to talk to her like right away. 
and got to tell like the backstory of like that night of like how she found out because like tomorrow was a shoot around and then all of a sudden they pulled her and they went to the hospital because something came up in a test they want to immediately run more tests so she's like getting ready for the game and they like pull her out and take her to the hospital kelly finds out three minutes before tip-off like her phone rang three minutes before tip-off and she found out right then and there nobody else knew like she didn't tell anybody and just coached the whole game um went to the press conference and like she looked like shook shaken up a little bit and so like i kind of figured something serious is going on but like getting to tell the backstory of that and like kind of give fans a picture into that night was like very interesting to me um and i think you know i think it helps with like just the fans understanding more about kelly and more about the team um but things like that, like just things, sometimes things just happen on the beat where you can tell the backstory of everything. And that's a great story. Yeah, no, exactly. I really appreciate that. Cause I think so much of like telling an event is to understand the people involved rather than explaining what happened. It's you, you get the picture of like, yeah, we like, we know what happened already, but like, yeah, you're getting more details into that, but it's more like we understand more about people by understanding how they are impacted by things or how they react to things. So really appreciate that perspective um well Cora I kept you longer than I said I would but this was really fun it was really great to get to know you a little bit more and, and catch up um is there anything that you want to plug before you out here where can people find you at um yeah you can find me on Twitter at Cora Hall with three L's because two is always taken so I always just rock with three so if you're looking for me that's usually my handle um but yeah you can I always tweet my stuff there um we've had a bunch of stuff from selection Sunday pre-tournament things um but I'll have Lots going on this weekend. We got more open locker rooms, so I'm very excited about the return of open locker rooms with tournaments. Um, so yeah, everything I, I do will be at my Twitter. Awesome. Well, I will be following. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 uh it's been rocky sledding. It feels like it's been better the last week, but the it's better. But now your the for you timelines like completely. Oh yeah, up. it's destroyed. <laughs> I have to keep reminding myself to switch over to the following part. Yeah, um, and maybe it's just because my phone's getting old, but my phone just loads so much slower now and i think it's partially twitter but it could just be my phone i just don't want to i'm in denial i don't want to get a new phone but um yeah it's twitter for sure yeah that's thank you uh, i appreciate you feeding into that but yeah core this was awesome really appreciate you making the time everyone listening go follow core and everything she's doing most importantly have a rest of your day winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.